A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Hello and welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. I'm James, I'm gay. He's Dan. I'm not gay. He's, he's non-gay, mate. Um, we are so privileged and <laughs> blessed and excited for today's podcast. Yes, we've been trying to get this person for some time and then it just happened. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm just like in awe of this person in in every respect possible there are no words to describe how pivotal this person's words are in this moment and and what i think that this person's creating art wise and truth wise is going to change the world for so many generations of gay people and i'm just like stunned we got buddy porter on the podcast yes <laughs> Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. Okay, today on a gay and a non-gay to celebrate his new song Children out now on all streaming platforms, star of stage and screen, originating the role of Lola in Kinky Boots on Broadway in the US, pray tell in the groundbreaking series Pose. He's a proud out HIV positive singer-songwriter, Tony Emmy, Grammy, Glad award-winning icon and Attitude Magazine's Man of the Year 2021. He is the moment it's billy porter hi everybody Woo! we're so excited to have you here firstly congratulations on your new music and your new song children <laughs> um firstly congratulations on your new music and your new song children do you feel like <laughs> a mother to everyone i do and it's interesting because i got into this business um you know i just turned 52 a couple of weeks ago i made the choice decades ago that this slot that i'm in right now was empty and there was no place for it when I chose to be there. But we, I and we, my generation, created this space. We created this slot. And I am standing in the fullness of it. And yeah, I am the mama. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. I actually love it. I have a very maternal slash paternal, don't get it twisted, spirit. <laughs> I was gonna say, you are also a daddy as well as a mama. Yes, yes, I'm a mama and a daddy. There ain't no gender binary here and I'm everything in between, so don't try it. I mean, you're inspiring in a, in a number of ways, but one of them is that in an era where we're obsessed with uh, newness and youth is such a big currency, you found enormous success relatively late. Um, yes. which I think is really in inspiring because I think sometimes me and James get fed up and think when, when are things going to happen on this or that but actually you're, you're showing the world that you can, you can take your time and actually there's a lot of benefits to finding success later on well you can take your time and you should take your time because what comes with the onslaught of success in this industry in particular it can be very manic very toxic and very, very difficult to navigate. And when you're young and you don't know who you are, you can be taken for a ride. And I am grateful because I have lived long enough to understand everything that's going on around me and be the head bitch in charge of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's only because I've gone through it the other way. I went through it the other way. 
I was in the music industry in my 20s. You know, they fucked me up. And so I see it now. When it's coming at me, I can see it. And I can say no. And here's why. Here's why I'm saying no. You know, gatekeepers are not used to that. Oh, the gatekeepers. Gatekeepers are used to, you know, being very Svengali and you do what I say and that's and that's all that it is. If you don't, you don't get X, Y, Z. I don't care if I don't get X, Y, Z. Right? I don't care about that anymore because I didn't get X, Y, Z before. I went and got it myself. So the only reason why anybody's here is because I got X, Y, Z myself and now y'all want to make some money. <laughs> I love that you say gatekeepers when really we just mean like cis white straight men that are just yes. holding the keys. You said it. I didn't. I would have. <laughs> but you said it. I said it. Billy Porter has always lived his life out loud. But in an emotional interview with The Hollywood Reporter, the Broadway TV and fashion icon explains why he lived in silence for 14 years after he was diagnosed with HIV. There's a shame connected to it based on the world, the stigma. Porter says he was diagnosed in 2007, the same year he filed for bankruptcy and discovered he had type 2 diabetes. So, Billy, you've only just come out fairly recently about your own uh, HIV status. I wonder what it was that made you finally want to do that. Well, I had 14 years to think about it. You know, I was diagnosed in 2007. The worst year of my life, February, I was diagnosed type 2 diabetic. Um, March, I was signing bankruptcy papers. And by June, I was diagnosed HIV positive. Um, The shame of that was silencing. Shame is a silencer. I was ashamed of being the statistic that all the haters said I would be, you know, just in the sense of like Black people, you know, being more susceptible to diabetes. Not my fault. It's hereditary in my family. So like, I didn't do that to myself by eating too much. You know, being in show business, show business isn't a real career. You'll never be able to make any money signing bankruptcy papers, statistic. You know, growing up in the Pentecostal church, your son's a faggot, he's going to hell, he's gonna die of AIDS, statistic. That was debilitating to me for a while. I didn't want my mother to have to endure the same sort of shaming from her religious community that she had endured when I came out as gay. And so I didn't say anything. I didn't tell her. I didn't speak about it because I just didn't want her to have to go through that. And through the years, as it began to sort of eat away at me, I realized that I was going to have to do something about it. And then I started becoming famous. And unfortunately, the cancel culture press is all about the gotcha gotcha. So if you have a secret, no matter what it is, no matter how unfair it is for somebody to expose or something, then you're living with that over you. Then I got Pose and my character, Pray Tell, is diagnosed with HIV. You know, I knew that art is a conduit to healing. I know that. That's what my book is about you know, healing trauma through art. So I knew that this character of Pray Tell was going to stand in proxy for my healing. What Billy could not process as Billy, I could process as a character and then therefore apply that to my own life. I knew that when I got the call to audition for the show, I knew that. 
before I was even cast. I knew that. I understood that it was going to need to come out and I was going to do it in my book. And I was talking to my publicist and we were just going through the year. This was probably about March, I guess, and Pose, I was shooting Pose and you know, so I'm just going through the list. And I was like, that, that, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. October, my book comes out. I'm going to come out HIV positive in the book. And I was ready to move on. And he was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. And what he said, and I'm so grateful to have a team, but he gave me some really, really wise advice. And he said, listen, the instinct to reveal this in the book is right if you weren't already who you are. You know, the last two years you've skyrocketed to being an A-list celebrity because of your honesty, your truthfulness, and your authenticity. And so, unfortunately, if you play Pray Tell on a show about the AIDS crisis and your character dies of AIDS in June, and you, Billy, don't come out as HIV positive till October, the cancel culture press is going to come after you. They just will. It's not fair. It's not right. But they will. You have to do this right now. And I was like, okay. I mean, it was just a six, it was just six months earlier. You know, I was already planning on doing it. It was 14 years of holding it in. And then my team, you know, Simon and Ryan Murphy, you know, God bless the both of them. Makes me very emotional and sorry, but, you know, they really took care of me. You know, they really, um, you know, what I call did a big splashy, take no prisoners, take control of your own narrative, Hollywood rollout for me. It was a big Hollywood, I'm taking control of this narrative rollout. Um, And I think it changed the game for everything. I have never felt freer. You know, I don't carry around that shame anymore. Um, And, now the work is um, leaning into joy. Oh, Ooh, I didn't realize this was going to make me so emotional today. <sighs> you know, realizing that I've never experienced joy. You know, I've never experienced pure, unadulterated joy, free from shame until right now in my life. And so right in this very moment. And I am, I am so grateful for that. I really, really am. Oh, y'all got me all. Oh, Billy, stop. <laughs> emotional. Honestly, I am. Wow. Morning in London. I'm not emotional. <laughs> it's the jet lag. You know, you <laughs> asked. You asked. Right, get up. Get up, pray. Right. Get up, right. Right. I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe, pray. 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 Get up. Get up. It was so difficult saying goodbye to Pray Tell in Pose. It yeah. must have been incredibly difficult for you also and, and the scene where you're taking your makeup off. You know, just in line with what I was just talking about, at the time of filming that, I knew that I was going to come out in The Hollywood Reporter. And that was all. That all happened in the same week. You know, I went in to shoot that scene... And I said to the whole cast and crew, you know, this is the death of Pray Tell. And 
it's the rebirth of me. It's the rebirth of Billy. And I never would have been able to get to this place of peace in this place of joy, no shame and freedom without pray tell. And now it's time to tell a different story. And I'm excited about that. What different stories have you got lined up to tell? Specifically, you know, I just finished directing my new, uh, my first feature film for Orion Pictures uh, under the MGM banner. The working title is called What If, but those bitches over at Marvel have stolen my time. <laughs> Classic. Because <laughs> they have, um, they already have a piece out called uh, What If. So we're working on a new title, um, but it's a, uh, coming of age romantic comedy in the spirit of the old John Hughes movies. And it follows a black trans girl um, in high school. It's about trans joy. It's time to tell stories about that too. Yeah. It's just a joyful, queer story that embraces the other. It's the normalization of the othered. It's the changing of the game. It's a new day, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's a new day and we're here to stay and we're not going anywhere and get the fuck over it. I'm so lucky to be alive whilst you are alive and forging this change in the world. You know, it's heady because um, growing up in the church and being a very spiritual person, I've always known that there was a calling on my life, that there was a purpose that's bigger than me in my life, in my bubble of a religious community Early on, that meant being a little preacher man. They called me little preacher man when I was a child. I preached my first sermon when I was about 11 years old. And I looked at my mother and said, no, it's not this. It's something else. And to be sitting in the fullness of my calling, in the fullness of, in my language and in my culture, we call it ministry. Dare I say my ministry. It just takes my breath away. You know, why preach to the converted when you can change the world? Oh, Billy. Yeah. I'm giving it, I mean, I just yeah. And we, as human beings who are taught that we're not enough and that if we understand that we're enough and we own our purpose that somehow that is boastful or somehow you're conceited or somehow you think you're better than everybody else. You know, there's that element to this world too. You know, how dare I, the audacity for me to take up space and know that I deserve to take up space is the transition of the last decade of my life. That's the transition that I've made. And that is the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you. I don't want to turn this into therapy for me. <laughs> <laughs> by fear I'm about to do you feel and and I mean in this industry specifically but just also being gay and having to confront that shame th that whole journey of being told you're not enough that feels like self-harm for me at the minute like I'm constantly everything whether it's an Instagram post but or... what else do you know you know and that's the thing you know COVID was great for me and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the pandemic. So let me just be clear about that. It's a horrible, horrible, fucked up thing. And every one of our leaders have fucked it up for us, period. And the global shutdown 
the idea that everything stopped so that we as humans could make the choice to heal ourselves, to heal our world, our culture, our humanity, or not. We have the choice. This is the inflection point. What will we choose collectively? I know I had the time to slow down. I went into trauma therapy, intense trauma therapy, and worked on that shame, and worked on where it came from, and worked on the why, and learned self-compassion, like exercise daily. The fake it till you make it self-compassion ooga booga exercises <laughs> that you know you don't want to do because it feels stupid. But after a year of doing it, all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, I'm the shit. Oh <laughs> shit, yes, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, it actually matters how we treat ourselves matters. You know, Maya Angelou says, we teach people how to treat us. If you don't love yourself first, nobody else knows how to do it because you don't love yourself. You're being treated by others the way you treat yourself. Think about that for a second. It's amazing to hear somebody as outwardly, at least, confident and successful as you say that you struggle with these things because I think that gives hope to a lot of our listeners who will be going through this kind of thing to see somebody as confident as you to say that you still struggle or have struggled with these things I think is incredibly powerful I think we all do it's a choice I'm making a choice to believe in myself I'm making a choice to be enough it's a choice and it's a constant daily choice it's a practice just like everything else in our lives. It's a muscle. You know, motherfuckers want to go to the gym every day and build up these outward muscles. We need to work out our minds, children. We need to work on our minds. That's what I did this year. I worked on my mind. I literally stopped going to the gym so I could work on my mind. That muscle. <laughs> um, you know, and she's strong now, baby. <laughs> she, she is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Um, you're not just the mama, you're the grandmama. The auntie, the sister friend. Right. The daddy, don't forget that. The definitely the, the daddy, daddy. And the daddy. Definitely the daddy and a daddy. Um, <laughs> I I've heard you talk so beautifully about the enraging double standard of straight men playing gay roles in Hollywood. And although being gay is more accepted, do you still think there is a specific stigma about effeminate camp gay men in the industry? and in the world? Yes. The short answer is yes. I've created a space for myself that I can't be ignored. I personally can't be ignored. And even inside of that, there's still hurdles. There's still doors that are open for others that should be open for me and aren't quite. And they aren't quite open because of my queerness and that still makes some people uncomfortable. The truth has set me free. The truth for some others, for people who are in positions of power, who want to hold on to the power, the truth will bring them down. The truth will bring these powerful people down. So they want to sublimate it as much as possible. And for as long as they, whoever they are, I'm putting they in quotes, 
possibly can. You know, I'm clear about that now. And, you know, what I say is I've always done it anyway. I'm here and I'm in the position that I'm in because I did it myself. So I don't have no problem doing it all myself. I will keep doing it, whatever it is, myself. Can we talk about transphobia for a minute? (laughs) Because in the Mm -hmm. UK, as you know, um, it is pretty horrendous. And um, it's like a a firestorm in in our newspapers. And I wonder how it is in the US and how you feel about the UK and what we can do as queer people to fight against that as a community. The only thing we can do is show up as a collective. You know, so we all, as queer people, have to come together first. The racism and the transphobia within our own community, within the queer community, is a problem first. So we can't combat any of the outside until we start addressing the inside, the breakdown that's on the inside of our queer culture. It's racist and it's transphobic inside of us. So we have to start there. Once again, we can't make demands from other people on the outside until we understand how to love ourselves first and respect ourselves and every single human being under the queer umbrella. That's the problem. I think that is a huge problem. It's day by day, it's step by step. We may not see the complete change in our lifetime. We may not, you know, but we have to fight. That's what we are on this earth to do. It's tiring. It's tiring. It's exhausting. But that, you know, but look at the bitches that came before us. Right. You know, it was worse. It was worse. It was worse. There was a thing called slavery. There's modern day slavery, but it ain't that. It's not what it used to be. Everything is an evolution. That's what I mean by that, is that we're constantly evolving. And so we have to try to find space to sit inside of the positive of that evolution so that we don't burn out, so that we could wake up in the morning and continue to fight. Otherwise, we're debilitated and then we're of no use to anything. I'd love to hear you talk about the relationship between Pray Tell and his younger lover, Ricky, on Pose. I thought that was so hot. You know, as queer people, they like to cut our dicks off and desexualize us. And being a Black gay man in a relatively racist, white, queer world, you know, I never was the object of anybody's affection in my work at all in life really not like in the ways that my white counterparts were you know so i realized that i i didn't have a i've never had a lot of um confidence um in sort of my sexuality or my sexiness or my whatever you call it it's very uncomfortable to me still you know and so to have ryan murphy come to me at 48 years old and say you're gonna have a love scene with a 28 years a 28 year old on camera was like what who wants to fucking see that i think a lot of people <laughs> to answer no, your but, question but you, but, well that's you're very sweet but but you know what i realized it's the shaming of my femininity my feminine side was what made me not feel sexy you know right you go onto these apps no fats, no blacks, no femmes, no Asians, you know, no 
whatever, insert here. You know, so like to have feminine qualities was to once again be put out, to be shamed for not being masculine. And isn't right? that ridiculous? Because, you know, we we can't just be a bunch of tops. Like we need our bottoms, right? right. So what? <laughs> <laughs> you better say it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and we need our versatiles. Right. Don't get ch- that shit twisted either, <laughs> you know. And our sides. So, <laughs> yes. And so it's been in the embrace of the duality of me, you know, showing up on the red carpet as a cisgendered man, gay man, gay black man, choosing to play with feminine silhouettes with a fuck you behind it is what has empowered me to unlock that side of myself. And it's been interesting because it's like, once again, if you don't love yourself, nobody else is gonna know how to love you back. It's hard to love yourself, but you have to keep trying. And I think you're right, you have to keep lying to yourself. We say fake it till you make it, let me fake it. (laughs) You know, words have power. Speak the words, speak the affirmations. You know, it's very ooga booga. And our logical minds are like, that doesn't work. That's some bullshit, whatever. It's not. A gay and a non-gay. Talking of the church, um, you said that your church, they wouldn't bless you if you were gay. Essentially, it was, you will never be blessed. Right, I see, okay. God will never bless you you because you're gay. Sure. But that's the rhetoric, not just in my church, that's the rhetoric across the board so i'm just wondering is that still their policy or have they done a u-turn yeah. like now you're famous have they, no. they they still think that you're a heathen and going to hell a lot of them do a lot of them still do many of them don't there has been change there has been transformation you know i did have a cousin who is a pastor of a church who called me a few years back and said thank you for helping me understand i have transformed i have transitioned I have a gay and lesbian ministry in my church. I lost a lot of people. I don't care. I lost a lot of parishioners and I gained a lot. You know, so there is change that's happening. And a couple of gospel artists have reached out to me via Instagram to say thank you for the courage to hold the church accountable publicly. It's time to hold religion, AKA the church accountable. Yes, it is. Publicly, mm-hmm. publicly for what they are doing and how that rhetoric is destroying the world. I have a Bible too. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know what it says. I know what it says. And nothing that you're doing is what it says in this Bible. So fuck you. I loved you. And I'm not ashamed of what you once meant to me, but you were asking me to step away from the church. No, 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 no. The church stepped away from me. And I'm not the only one. Every year I watch hundreds of kids flock to the city looking for what they lost after the church threw them away. That's what your church did. That's what your church did to me. You said you don't care if you ever play a straight role again, but what about James Bond? Do you think we need a black gay James Bond? I would love to be a black gay James Bond. You're the third person to say that oh, to me this week. Oh, that question. What, I don't know what zeitgeist is in the air right now. I don't know what's in the air. But that's the third time somebody has asked me that question. Of course I would. You know, I was watching um, uh, Black Widow on the plane 
And I've been saying the whole time, I want to play a superhero of some sort yes. of like, you know, and it's like, I want to be that, whether it's a villain, whether it's a, you know, I was like, I could be M. You'd be a in James fierce Bond. villain, Absolutely. actually. I would love to be a villain. I would, you know, so like, if you were to ask me, you know, what a dream role is, because I've already played my dream stuff. You know, you can't get much better than Lola and Kinky Boots and Pray Tell on Pose as far as like fundamentally like the work. And I'm open to whatever comes and I'm excited about that. But I would love to be in some sort of superhero I can universe. See that. I would like, love that. I would just, I would love it. I just <laughs> would love it. If you were to play a, a straight man, how would you get into character? What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> would you go method mm. on it? You know, I think the thing about straight and gay and playing straight and playing gay is a fallacy. All you need to do is show up and be truthful to what the the character and the narrative is telling you to be. As an actor, that's all you have to do. I don't have to play gay. I don't have to play straight. I have to play the character. So play the character and that will be straight. However it comes out. If the character is straight, I'm playing the character. That's it. That's what they're missing though, isn't it? (laughs) And it's ridiculous that the people who are the gatekeepers who are in charge of this stuff don't realize that that's what acting is. Right. And it's like the only reason why you don't think I can play straight is because you saw me at the gay club last week. And so now you've judged me. That's my experience. I've seen it early on in my career. It's like you're partying with the with the with the gatekeeper. For me, earlier on in my career, it actual gay gay gatekeepers who were the worst. Who were the worst culprit? They are the you worst. Know? I guess that's their shame, right? Their own gay Hello. shame. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, I come yes. across that problem a lot in this country with TV uh-huh. networks. It's not just this country. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Everybody got gay shame that they want to put on other folk. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> I love you so That's much. All I got left. We are so excited you for your memoir and your Ryan Murphy documentary. That is just going to be brilliant um and i'm excited for your music too i'm guessing that all of this freedom is expressed in what you've got coming through yes it is and i'm excited to share that with the world okay thank you so much billy thank you oh billy thanks so much thanks for listening babes do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay visit gaynongay.com slash donate